Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for Olympiakos FC and Greek Super League football. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with Ari Bulubasis and super sub Vimo George, subbing in for Lambros Sirmos. Lambros has moved to Geneva, so the time difference and him getting settled in have made things a bit complicated, but he will be back before you know it. In the meantime, we have Vimo here to give us some additional insight on pretty much everything. Um, we will be going over a whole bunch of stuff about Greek Super League in general and Greek football as a whole. We hope that uh, the fans appreciate this content, obviously. As Olympiacos fans, we want to hear about our club more than anything else, but it's oftentimes good to keep up with the other teams in the league. Anyway, with that being said, we'd like to shout out a few people who have given us some insight and told us what they want to hear, as well as sharing the pod on social media. Uh, namely, Olympiacos Argentina. You can find them on Twitter, at Olympiacos A, and that's Olympiacos with a C, A. And then also Olympiacos English, who are at Olympiacos underscore E-N-G. That's Olympiacos with a K underscore E-N-G. We thank them a lot for sharing the pod and also for making some good suggestions about what they want to hear. Peter, I got a little surprise for you. Oh. So on our, I guess it will be episode five, we are going to have another special guest. Oh. Yeah, we Vimo. have. No, it is not <laughs> Vimo, although Vimo is always a welcome guest. We actually nice. will have Steven Goduru from Elas Football, one of the bloggers for Elas Football. Um, he is an awesome Olympiacos fan, just like us. Awesome. And he's going to be joining us for that segment. We're going to be getting his insights on the competition because by then we'll have seen Balk play, Ike, have some more information with other transfers for some of the other teams as well as ourselves. And we're going to get his outlook on that. Some of his thoughts also from the Kipalo, assuming it happens. We're very excited to have him. That's and be speaking, awesome. oh, it's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. I absolutely cannot wait. Now, speaking to that, we've actually had, and Peter, I, I know you agree with this, we've had an incredible, incredible response to this podcast mm -hmm. since we started. I know that we really didn't think anything was going to happen. I know we would have been excited if we got 10 views on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But the, the community that it's, that it's reached out to, the, the diaspora from all over the world that's been listening in, talking to us, engaging with us, giving us feedback, various social media platforms. Um, it's been fantastic. It's been absolutely fantastic. And we did this because one, we just love talking about Olympiakos. We love talking about Greek soccer. We love talking about Greece as well. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to do this to connect the diasporas together. And then something also struck me on Twitter. The tweeter, I think his name was Bob Beans. Yeah, it, yeah. It, and he said something that, you know, really resonated with, especially with Lambro and I. And it made us think of you, Peter, because he said, I want to see the day where a non-Greek wears an Libyakos jersey. And all I want to tell everybody is, you have one right here on the podcast. <laughs> Peter yeah, Thompson. Man. Yeah. No, I, I've... Uh... Well, and it's funny because I've, I've obviously gotten into Greek soccer through Lambro and Adi uh, mainly, but yeah, it's, I've really enjoyed watching it. I have no connection. Obviously, my name is Peter Thompson. I'm not Greek, uh, but I love my Mira, Miralas jersey. It's a little outdated. Maybe I need to get 
a new jersey, but either way, I always throw it on for game days. Um, and this team is, is really fun to watch. I love the players. I love the way they play. And I know there are certainly a lot of other people like me who can't really read a lot of the Greek news and can't listen to a lot of the Greek TV and radio, or at least can't understand it. And I think for, I would personally, if I wasn't hosting it, I would really want to have something like this. So I think that is probably another reason why I was so excited to get started on this and why I think there's a really nice market for it. Yeah, and to kind of weigh in on that, I feel like I'm the complete opposite of Peter right now because <laughs> I'm Greek diaspora, like second generation Greek born in America. And I, growing up as a kid, supported Olympiacos, but I wasn't able to kind of connect with them on that level because I couldn't get the games when we didn't have the Greek channels. And it just it was hard trying to be an Olivia Cos fan in America. So mm -hmm. this podcast has been awesome to listen to. So and I'm super excited to be here. So thanks for having us or me. <laughs> well, and that's a really good point as well. Even if you can speak the language, some of the games are really hard to find. Some of the coverage you have to really seek it out. So we take pride in having the name Gate 7 International. We hope that people, you know, across the world can, um, can listen and keep up to date with the team, even if, they might not have a TV subscription or anything like that. And guys, we want to continue to connect more of the diaspora. Every day we get more people listening to this podcast, more people jumping in on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. You know, we're, we want to connect Greek fans everywhere because, you know, not just Libyakos fans, and that's also kind of the idea behind these midweek podcasts is, we right. wanted to take a chance to use the midweek podcasts to really get a look at everything, a top-down look as Greek soccer fans, not just Olympiacos, as Greeks, because we are Greeks first. Yeah, and I, I understand that, obviously, in Greece, fans are very passionate, and we're not going to act like we love all the other teams in Greece because we're Olympiacos fans here, but we think it's important that, you know, maybe there's not a Panathinaikos English podcast and people might at least be able to sort of pick up a little bit about the Greek Super League in general from these sort of midweek shorts. We've heard some interest in them in social media, so we figured that this could be a nice little outlet for us to sort of quickly summarize things that have gone on with other teams in the league. How, and uh, I think with that, I will get started with the rundown very quickly, and then we'll go into some, some bigger topics, including Pauk's game today and why Olympiacos fans should be excited about Pauk winning. To start off with some of the transfer news, we will quickly start off with Olympiacos, mostly with just some loans and some official signings that we've kind of known about for the last couple weeks. So Albanian striker, or I believe he's actually uh, a Greek national now, but uh, Fiorin Dermisai has been sent out on loan to Larissa in the Greek Super League. I think that would be a nice move. That's where our defender Svitazar Markovic spent his spring. Another loan. Yanis Masuras, the right back, there was some talk of him potentially being included in the first team squad this year, but he has been sent out on loan to Gornik Zabrze in Poland. Yeah, this is definitely a punishment. We know that Yanni is a bit of a head case. He's had some disciplinary issues. He was benched from his loan last season because, of, because he believed he was bigger than the team. He didn't understand why he wasn't starting and it wasn't a question. He is a head case. This is a last shot for him. 
this is a punishment. He either he either performs here or he goes. Yeah, and I think I think Lambro. Uh, we were talking about this with Lambro earlier this morning, and he we we had said basically what you just said. If he makes it back, he's good enough to be in the team, but he might not make it back. And yeah, this is probably you know no offense to Poland, but it's cold. It's it's a different atmosphere from Greece. It's probably not a place that's on the top of the list of where he'd want to be loaned out. He probably doesn't even really want to be loaned out at all. He probably wants to be in the first team. So this is something where he's going to have to learn the hard way, the lessons that you just talked about. And if he doesn't, well, he probably won't ever put on the red and white shirt in, in a big game ever again. Um, anyway, going on to a couple more Olympiakos-related topics quickly. Our, one of our attacking midfielders, Bruno, who saw a little bit of time with the first team this year. There are some talks of him going on loan to Aris, where, of course, he would potentially get a lot more playing time in the first team. He's certainly not a young player, so it's not like he's going to be in the under-19 squad or anything like that. Uh, additionally, Olympiacos have made the official signing of Rafinha from Flamengo in Brazil. The right back was formerly of Bayern Munich. He has won the Champions League with them, and he's had a pretty successful stint in Brazil. He's a bit on the older side, but we've seen what Valbuena could do despite being older, so could be a good signing for us. And a signing that we are more familiar with, Ahmed Hassan, will be coming back. He was on loan, I believe, from Braga last, last uh, spring or winter, and now he is officially here to stay. I believe he will be eligible for the Kipero this weekend, and... I mean, I think we talked about him last time, so uh, he is back. And think of that whatever you like. Additionally, another Olympiakos rumor, and then we'll start talking about other teams. Uh, the red and white are very seriously interested in former Pauk winger Gary Rodriguez. He is a Cape Verde national born in the Netherlands. He is currently at Fenerbahce in Turkey on loan from Al Etihad. He's 29 years old. This might be a decent move, but his salary is very high. He's, he made 1.9 million euros last year, and he'll be on the same contract this season if Olympiacos choose to buy him. So we might have to think about whether that money is worth the player that we'd be getting. And moving on to Ike, who, of course, are our opponents this weekend in the Kipero final. Obviously, none of these signings will be able to play, as we talked about last time, but Karim Ansifarid former Olympiacos player for a couple of years, the Iranian attacker who was in Qatar for a couple of years between Olympiacos and now. He is coming to Ike. They made the signing official just a few hours ago today. We're recording this on Tuesday. Um, obviously, was, was a solid player with Olympiacos, scored some goals, and he's back in Greece. So we'll see what happens with that. Additionally, Ike have signed a Tunisian center back, Nassim Hanid, He's 23 years old. He can also play on the left. He's been capped for the senior team in Tunisia. He's played with Yassine Maria, former Olympia Coast player, at the back there. Additionally, uh, Ike have a couple players who might be heading out, sort of as a balance to the players that they've brought in. Montalos and Livaya, who are two very important players in their midfield and their attack are both being looked at by other clubs, Montalos by Al Nasser and Livaya by Rennes and Saint-Étienne in France. Livaya's family apparently wants to stay in Greece. 
but Ike will need to up his wages from what he's currently making at 700,000 euros. Moving on to Panathinaikos, they have signed 30-year-old right-back Facundo Sanchez from Estudiantes in South America. He will be replacing Matias Johansson, who is going out. And additionally, Adi has some news about the, um, the installment of Panathinaikos TV. Well, Panathinaikos TV was more or less officially announced when they refused to sign their marketing deal with Novasport. Nova Sport was reported to be offering them around 5 million euro for the upcoming season with the, for the marketing rights. Now, Panathinaikos obviously thought that wasn't enough. You know, their competitors, their rivals, Ike and Ribiakos are making more. Ike is getting 6 million for the upcoming season. Ribiakos is getting 11 million. This is not a new trend. As we saw previously, Balk have done the same. Last year, Balk made Balk TV. It's pretty successful, according to them. The revenues are higher than what they were getting for Nova. This is probably something we will see more top flight teams do, top five teams. Olympiacos has announced this as well. They are considering it. And I will add, for, for those who are in America and might not be familiar, or in any other country, I should say, Nova Sport is, I believe, pretty much the main place to watch football in Greece. Uh, it's... I have not lived in Greece, so I have never had Greek cable before. But as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty much where you go to watch Greek Super League games if you live there. And I think you can actually buy a Greek cable package if you live abroad. But Nova Sport is pretty much where you need to go to watch these games. Am I correct in saying that? That's correct, yes. And as an individual who has suffered through Nova Sports for oh, almost yeah. 10 years now, I can tell you they're a pain in the butt. That and I understand completely why this is happening. Mm-hmm. Nova Sports is horrible. They're, you know, I've already ranted. I'm not going to rant again about how they're horrible <laughs> to the diaspora as well. But this was this is a long time coming. You know, peop, uh, teams have been talking about this. I kind of hope Libyakos does the same. Mm-hmm. Even though we're getting more money, I think we'll make way more way more money for, you know, uh, our own TV station. The only problem now, again, as Greek fans here, not as Libyakos fans, this will be a problem for the smaller clubs. Right. Because the revenue they generate off of our games and the games from the larger teams does kind of get disseminated to the smaller teams. Obviously, they don't make as much as Libyakos or I, Copernicus, but ha- the absence of us from their marketing deals means the smaller teams make less. Right. This is a problem. It is a huge problem, too, because Greek teams just don't make as much money as they do in other leagues. You know, something needs to happen. We need, we need to figure out how to get more money. You know, Nova Sports needs to do something, or the EPO needs to figure something out to get broader outreach to the diaspora so more money can come in. They need to generate more marketing revenue because it's a shame when you have clubs making less than $5 million in a season for TV marketing revenue in Greece when in other leagues like England – Oh, yeah. Even though they're bigger leagues, but oh, some of these other leagues like England, 40 million a season, 40 million British pounds, almost 30 million in Spain. You know, I mean, there's no way these small clubs in Greece or, you know, any Greek team is going to compete. Right. Yeah, that's even just hearing this. I've I gave up a long time ago trying to figure out how to watch Olympiacos games through either Ogana Sport or like those packages are just. They they get outrageous, uh, especially for the internet age where you can just Google how to watch these games. Um, but kind of to speak to that, it's interesting that uh, 
they're trying to make deals with individual teams, especially like you said, all these other, when you think about the, the big leagues, like even French league, English league, Italian league, Spanish league, they're not, the TV rights aren't going to the individual clubs, if I'm not mistaken. It's the league itself is working these deals for the TV rights domestically and in all these other countries. And that's where kind of the strength of the league heightens because instead of these mom and pop smaller clubs like we have in Greece having to kind of negotiate these deals, it should be the EPO's job like it is for all these other big leagues to kind of sort these, sort this stuff out and basically do a collective bargaining for both the smaller clubs and the, the big five in Greece. So it's pretty interesting. And I don't, it's a good move on Balk's part and Olivia Kostin's part to make their own TV stations. Panathinaikos, you mean? Uh, yeah, excuse me, Panathinaikos. But yeah, for the sake of the league, just in, like we, there's essentially a blueprint. There's blueprints already out there with the, from the bigger leagues of how to do this. They just, at some on some level, they need to step up and follow it and look out for the league as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is a shame. Unfortunately, I don't think anything's going to change anytime soon in Greece. With that being said, the Champions League, we just had that on Sunday. Huge win for Bayern. PSG had a chance at their first Champions League. Personally, I'm ecstatic that PSG lost. I can't stand Neymar, and as long as he's on that team, I do not want them winning anything. I also hate clubs like PSG and Man City, what they stand for. Super billionaire, you know, oil-rich people just buying up clubs skirting FFP. I can't stand it. I hate when teams like that win. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Chelsea fan. They're my English team, so I won't act like I, I'm super against oil money. But um, I was happy for Bayern. I'm a big fan of a lot of the players on their team. Alfonso Davies lives, or he grew up in the city that I live in now in Canada, which is, is kind of fun. He's a really great player. And obviously Bayern having won, I think they deserved it. But it's also kind of cool to say that despite the fact that they absolutely dominated Europe, there were only two teams that finished within one goal of Bayern in the Champions League in a single match. Those two teams were obviously PSG, who made it to the final and lost 1-0, and funny enough, Olympiacos. We took them on in the group stage twice. One time we lost 3-0. However, we made it 70 minutes without conceding a goal. And then the other time we put up a really strong fight and the game finished 3-2. And I'll be honest with you, I'm so sick and tired of these comments that nonstop, oh, this Bayern team is the weakest Bayern team in the decade. They won a Champions League. Weakest they Bayern were, team, they won. They won a Champions League. They were the best team in Europe this year. Best they team in Europe. They look weak on the field. Yeah. <laughs> they, no. play, they play good ball. They've got a super strong roster. Everyone's got their roles. And... I mean, PSG's obviously splashed all this cash for their back line in the front three. But when you look at that game, for me, it was a battle of the midfield. And there was nobody on that field that could touch Thiago. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's – oh, my God, he's unbelievable. Like, 
it was that that was that was a masterclass in how to play on both ends of the ball. And while Bayern dominated the excitement on the football landscape this weekend, they were not the only Champions League side in action recently. In fact, today, as we are recording this on Tuesday, there was a big UEFA Champions League qualifier on a Tuesday night in Thessaloniki between Besiktas and Pauk. Pauk came out of it victorious 3-1. to We'll get into more why that is big for Olympiacos and Greece as a whole later, but the game was... I would say relatively well-deserved for Pauk. A lot of open play, a lot of good goals. Fairly exciting game to watch, especially in the first half. Adi, what were your thoughts on it? Well, I will say that I thought Pauk did exactly what they needed to do. I think Ferreira lined up and planned the game around the counter, and that's where Pauk was the most deadly. Uh, It was hilarious, though, you know, because you would see them with a great counter, especially in the first half. They had a counter for a goal, a counter for a goal. And then they would have the next run of play. They couldn't complete a couple 10-yard passes. Um, I will say, though, that Bauk team is raw. Yeah. You know, the there's a lot of talent there. Uh, Tzolis or Tzolis, however you say it, he is really, really good. This kid has so much talent. I mean... Great balls constantly in through to Chuba Apcom. Great runs. I mean, that third, the third goal where he sent the ball from the wing, perfect, perfect ball with some spin on the ground right in front of Belgas, who then Beautiful. finished that. Beautiful. I mean, this game probably should have been five or six to one because Chuba Apcom, Apcom missed a couple of yeah, goals that were on a golden platter. I mean, forget silver platter, golden platter. They were right there. Solis just fed them right to him. Not to mention, of course, you know, Chubabka missed that PK. That was uh, not the best take I've ever seen in my life. But, <laughs> well, no, it is what it is. Long frame. Huge, especially given the context politically, what's been going on between Greece and Turkey. I, was, I wanted this to be a big win. Three to one is pretty emphatic, emphatic for me. I will take it. I'm happy about it. Now, kind of diving in a little bit more. You know, we see a lot as Greeks that we wanted to see for the national team. I mean, Tolis especially is, you know, he's a really, really good player. I'm excited to see him for the Greek national team. But that defense was quite suspect. Yeah, well, and I was just going to say exactly what you just said about Solis. Um, I know UEFA Nations League is actually coming up for Greece. And I haven't seen any announcement of the squad yet. I know some other teams have started to release their squads, England and some of the bigger te- the bigger countries that are in the Nations League A, but I, I would love to see Zodis make his debut for Greece. He's, he was amazing today. We'd seen him a couple times in the domestic competitions earlier this year, and he was also very good, but obviously to do it in Europe against a team outside of Greece and a game that really matters for Pauk and for all of Greece, really, really impressive. He, did, he just was doing an incredible job releasing his teammates and also with the two goals. But, yeah, the defense definitely left some some things to be desired, don't you think? Yeah, you know, they were very – I mean, the the fullbacks especially, you know, kind of getting beat on the ball. I mean, the one good thing for them was Besiktas is not – they're not too solid. I mean, mm-hmm. they couldn't do much, you know, meaningful in the opposing third with the ball, right? They kind of was were getting stifled, a lot of mishits, you know. Now, on the fullback position – the way seeing some of the both fullbacks played, especially Yanulis, I am sorry. 
and I'm speaking as a Greek soccer fan, not an Olympiacos fan. I promise this isn't just bias. You cannot tell me that Yanulis is even close to the talent team Mikas has. <laughs> Yanulis was exposed. He was exposed by a very average winger. You know, yeah. I, I mean, well, Jermaine Lenz. I mean, who is that? He yeah. is not that good. And Yanulis, well, he was a right back. Yanulis, his metrics were awful. You know, first of all, he, I don't think he touched the ball half as much as Zimikas does on an average, on the average. Hardly yeah. touches the ball. He's not pivotal to that offense. In terms of dropbacks and, you know, and uh, defense against the dribble, he was getting burned. Yanulis did not do that well. I'm sorry. There's a reason Simikas got a huge contract with one of the top clubs in the world, and Yanulis is, is, is here. I'm sorry. There is a noticeable difference. Well, and if you go back and watch the third – or the only Besiktas goal, it was opened up. The ball that came in, which was admittedly a really nice ball, but the reason that the Besiktas player had all that time to throw the ball into the box was because Yanulis came in and missed a tackle right before the guy got the ball completely whiffed. And just flew off the off the pitch and allowed the Besiktas player to basically have all the time in the world to send that ball in. Um, Not to mention, he almost gave up a, a PK. He almost yeah. gave up a PK. Yeah, he yeah. Just, uh, and of course, I I know the, the first thing that's going to happen when people listen to this, I'm going to have the people that say, "Oh, it was the first game. He hasn't played in a while." <laughs> uh, no, even the metrics we pull up from Yanulis. Uh, that is that are available from last year. They are not that good. Oh well, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. We brought up metrics for Simikas with you know in terms of progressive distance dribbling the ball. Yanulis is half his distance. He doesn't carry the ball forward. You know he's not a guy that's going to generate a lot of offense. He's an average fullback. Is he? Is he a? You know a decent substitute. You know I, I would say serviceable. Yes, serviceable substitute for the national team. Not yeah. a starter. Zimikas is the starter at this position. Totally. And I mean, even, I, I didn't need to watch this game today to know this. This is just more confirmation of that because we've seen them face off in many, many games. We played Pauk like six times last season. And every time it was evident, Yanulis is, is at this level and Zimikas is a tier above. And that's why he's now at Liverpool. Um and additionally, they have Yanulis as the as the wing back today, so he's theoretically relied on even more to go forward and create offense. Which maybe he's not as good as that as he should be. They do have the the young. He was, I guess, as a left center back for them today. Uh, Mikaridis. Um, he has a decent long ball with his left foot. I don't know whether he would be able to go out and play as, as a full left back in the back four, but he looked all right today. A little bit shaky at the back, but he's young. He looked all right. Yeah. yeah uh, Mikalidis is – I think they said he was only 20 years old. I mean, yep, that's you right. know, nerves. Uh, we haven't really seen much of him. Uh, you know, I think I saw some stuff I liked out of him. I think yeah. he could be a solid center back. Uh, you know, that a lot of this, this Pauk team is new. I mean, I almost didn't recognize it. You know, yeah, some new names. We were talking, sure. we were talking about this earlier, and you know the kind of speaking to this a little bit. Prior to this game, I saw a lot of Greeks complaining about that, complaining that this team, you know, oh, Savidis isn't investing in building a team. You know, they're in a lot of debt. You know, people seem to forget that Balk almost breached financial fair play. They had thirty million euros of yeah. debt. So. 
all these free moves you're, he, and using academy players, he's forced to do this. Savitas is forced to do this because they are already skirting the edge of FFP as it is. Yeah. And obviously the Pauk result is nice, but I think we should talk about Besiktas today. They weren't really that great. Uh, they, I don't know what's going on with them. I, I checked before we started recording. They haven't played an official game since the end of the Turkish Super League in late July. That might be a contributing factor. I have no idea what's sort of going on with them when it comes to transfers in and out, but they certainly did not help their cause today. Pauk had some some nice moments, as you said, in the counterattack, but at the end of the day, it was a lot of also Besiktas not being at their best. Yeah, it's, you know what, we'll take the win either way, uh, but I want to remind people, you know, Pauk fans, Panathinaikos fans, even Ike fans and Adis fans, some of who seem to be a little bit discontent with their transfer seasons. COVID has had a huge effect, a financial yeah. effect, an economic impact on everybody, every country, Every soccer team, doesn't matter. Olympiacos has felt it as well. We have our own fans. I, I see them on social media. Reddit as well. That bitch that we're not spending a lot of money for players. People have to realize, stadiums still have fixed costs. You mm -hmm. have to spend money. You still have to upkeep the stadium. You still have to pay for all of that. And we're still trying to pay all of our employees, even though they're not all doing stuff these days. You know, All of that is still on us. So... Any profit that we have, we have to make sure we're storing, you know, because we're, we have to foot out all of this money. Look at Arsenal. Arsenal is the, has the cleanest budget, the most healthy budget in the whole Premier League. And even they made a cash injection. They made a cash injection on top of their beautiful surplus in the bank. Right. So that they can get through this season because they don't know. We don't know our, when are people going to be allowed back into stadiums. When are gonna, we going to be able to start making the stadium revenue to offset some of these costs? We don't know. So a lot of these sales, a lot of this money that we're holding and the deals that we're making, the money that we're not spending, it is frugal for a reason. This is affecting everybody. And kind of to build on that, I mean, we saw today in the game the stands are – empty that's that match day revenue especially for smaller clubs and especially for teams in a league where the league isn't negotiating tv deals for them that revenue is crucial and yeah it's every single team top to bottom is dealing with this huge issue even uh roma i know they were going through a sale of the club and the club was in a very good fight financial position compared to where they started and they were their negotiations were stalled for I think eight or nine months and the the price of the sale would changed almost a hundred million dollars because of mm -hmm. the debts that all every team has to deal with and that the whole reason why these leagues restarted even though there was this threat of COVID was they needed this money from right. the from simply from playing these games. So it makes perfect sense that the owners aren't just going to be able to flood their teams with cash. A, it'll probably violate FFP, and B, they no owner's going to be having that money just lying around right now in this economic COVID mess that we're in. And it's doubly hurtful because we – especially as Greeks, as, you know, Greek Super League, trying to 
push our way into Europe. Now we have, you know, we have all this economic turmoil, distress, and we're under even more pressure, you know, with respect to the coefficient. And there's one reason why, and it's a number, number 18. Do you guys know what that number means? It's, uh, it's not great. I'll put it this way. If, I think if you were to ask me without knowing any of this to, to, to guess where Greece would be ranked in the, the leagues of European football, I'd probably say higher than 18th. I think, you know, Olympiacos are a good team that makes moves in Europe, that competes with English teams and all these, these top clubs. There's no way Greece is the 18th best country in European football at the club level. There's no way. And for just to clarify for the listeners, when we're saying 18, we're referring to Greece's cl- country coefficient with UEFA. Mm-hmm. Every country, every league has a coefficient. And this kind of determines for UEFA values, you know, how competitive each one is. And this affects seeding and placement in different European competitions with Champions League, Europa League, and now the up-and-coming for next year, the Europa Conference Conference League. Yeah. This is really important for us because Greece, at one time, not 15, well, 16 years ago, Greece was the number five or number six league. Greece used to have two teams, direct qualification into the previous format for the Champions League with one Greek team that could go in through qualification. Right. Imagine that we've come from there, and we're now 18th. You know who's ahead of us in the standings? You know what countries are ahead of us? What leagues are better than us? Switzerland, which, you know what? That might not surprise some people. You know, Basel is a a good team. Yeah. They're usually pretty competitive. Right. So now some of the other countries may – upset you <laughs> serbia you know now again i don't i don't want to i'm not gonna try and be negative toward our orthodox brothers red star red star belgrade you know they're very close with our club our club has mm-hmm. a very close relationship with them but for serbia the serbian league to be ahead of us i'm gonna be honest with you red star red star is not half the team that Olympiakos is you know forget them beating us last year. I mean, we are a better team. I think the top five clubs in Greece could handle Red Star. We have a, a winger, Nikola Chumic, coming in from the mid to top table of the Serbian league. He was absolutely way too good for that league. And I, I'm excited for him to come in, but I don't think he's going to be scoring basically a goal a game with Olympiakos. I don't think he would even be doing that if he was at, say, Ophi or Adis or something like that. I agree with you that, yeah, I think you, if you were to ask anyone whether the Greek Super League is better than the Serbian League right now, they would say the Greek League. And we did lose to Red Star, but it was some very unfortunate individual moments on the part of Benzia and um, some other players on the team that led to that loss. And then we beat them when it really mattered to, to come through and get third in the group. Well, Peter, there's another country ahead of us actually two countries ahead of us one that won't make quite as mad countries ahead of us well i mean in the immediate until that 15 that sweet spot right we're trying to get to denmark which you know fc copenhagen is is not a bad that's not a bad team at all you know we've seen them compete Mm -hmm. you know in europe the rest of the teams are not quite so competitive but 
but it's okay. Denmark, I'm not super upset about. They've been ahead of us before. But, but the fine. last team, this should okay. irk every single Greek. And I'm not saying well, it this. It irks me as well. I'm not yeah, even Greek. Well, yes. You, <laughs> yes, you as well. Our, our new, uh, our imported Greek. <laughs> but this should irk everybody. And I don't mean this in any offense to Cypriots. But the Cypriot League never in any universe should be ahead of the Greek League or be more competitive or doing better in Europe than any Greek team. This is a country of one and a half million people. Right. And somehow they seem to do better. Apoel seems to compete better than any other Greek team in Europe. That is unacceptable. Yeah, and, and like you said, no disrespect to, to the people of Cyprus, but factually speaking, there it is a much smaller country, much less people, much less area, and just less resources for these teams. They, they don't have as much money as a Greek team does. They don't have as many good teams as Greece does. And the fact that they are right now, as a league, getting more support, and, and it might be mainly because of Apoel, because they have had some success in Europe. But the fact that right now in the UEFA rankings, Cyprus is better than Greece, it's, it's, it's a bit unbelievable. It really is. And I think just hearing this, I think I'm starting to work on a headache. But, uh, yeah, hearing this, it's – when you think about it, it's – being competitive in Europe is not only good for the league as a whole, but it's good for those individual clubs that are competing in Europe because that revenue goes straight to them for the TV deals and, like, we've been talking about. But – when you perform in Europe, your league's coefficient goes up. And as a result, say next year, something goes wrong and you, you don't meet expectations. You don't win the league. You get second. You get third. If your coefficient's better, you get more like back in the day when Greece had two direct qualification spots. That, that's more revenue going to right. more clubs in the league, which then helps the league as a whole come up. So that the fact that Apoel is carrying Cyprus just shows that more Greek teams need to be the teams that do get into Europe need to be carrying the Greek league. Yeah. Like literally the money that comes from not even just, just making the group stage, the money that that team gets is just unreal, especially Obviously, in Greece, big derby games are a huge deal. But, you know, aside from, like, me, non-Greek people aren't really watching an Olympiakos Panathinaikos game. And, and we talked at the beginning about we want more people to be doing that. But it is the fact that really it doesn't happen. But people will watch an Olympiakos Bayern game. People will watch an Olympiakos Tottenham game. And that's why you have all of this money coming in just for playing in those games. I mean, you obviously want to you know, make it to the round of 16 or go far, you know, even go far in Europa League. But yeah, literally just making it there. And as you said, it's like a positive feedback loop because the more the teams make it there, you get more resources, which allow you to build up and continue being a strong team in Europe and continue improving your reputation. And the entirety of Greece gets those resources. So it's not just Olympiakos necessarily, but hopefully every team in the league gets more resources in, continues to improve the whole league, becomes stronger more people are interested in Greek football. You just have to really catalyze and jumpstart 
that system. And right now, down at 18th, we are a bit far away from that at the moment. And this win for Balk against Besiktas, this was a good first step. Yeah. But I know a lot of people are happy. A lot of people were ecstatic, not just because we beat a Turkish team, but because a Greek team is on the next step. We're in, you know, the next round, third stage of the playoffs. You know, there's still a potential we could have two teams in the group stage. But we are not done yet. Good to be happy for a little bit, but the, we are far, 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 far from being over. Far from be, saying this was a good season for Greece. No, right. we Balk needs to win the next two stages – and we need two teams to get into the group stage. Why is that? Because just the points from winning today, it's not enough. I mean, uh, just to put into perspective um, and, and to kind of go over the scoring for the UEFA coefficients for the listeners, the way UEFA scores victories, scores, scores matches for teams competing, it's you get points for a win, a draw, and a loss. Obviously, you get the most amount of points for a win. Now... The points are different for qualification stages and for group stages. We really need to get into the group stage because you get a bonus for points when you get into the group stage and you get more points per game when you make it into the group stage. For winning today, Balk got 1.5 points. However, when, when UEFA determines our coefficient, as they do with every country, the points that you earn, all the points that the teams earn, for wins, losses, everything, they get put together, and it gets divided by the number of teams from that country that are competing in the competition. So even though Balk earned 1.5 points today because they won, in terms of coefficient points, they only earned 0.3 coefficient points because it was 1.5 points divided by five teams. This is not so good when we're comparing to Serbia – because Red Star, again, I don't want to sound negative that they lost but because they're our brothers. But because there's only four Serbian teams in Europe this year, Red Star earned 3.75 towards the coefficient and 3.75 when they won in their first round qualifier. So we still have a long road ahead. Right. And I'm, I, I just want to make sure, Adi, the, the coefficients are – I believe an average of the last five years, right? So you take the, the average from each season for that country, total up all the points and average it over the last five years. So potentially if five years ago, Greece had a bad performance in Europe and didn't do anything, then sort of when the window moves over in a future year, that season could get dropped off. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. However, the problem is that we really haven't – if you look in the last five years, we really haven't done too well. In terms of our coefficient points, we have not broken six. There, we don't have any years in the last five years where we broke six coefficient points. Those good years are behind us. In fact, our best year in the last five years was 2016, 2017, and I think we registered about 5.8 coefficient points in that in that venture we only got despite Olympiacos doing as well as it did you know going into the round of 16 of Europa League we were the only team that even progressed right you know what I mean and yeah. we only got 3.8 points for this year it was bad this was one of the worst years we had for Europe it was not good for us not good for Greece in fact it's the reason that as it stands now Greece is 18th we need to be in that 15th spot because 15th 
being in 15th in terms of the standings for the country coefficients gives us two countries or countries, sorry, two clubs into the Champions League conversation. Now, with the, Euro the European Conference League coming in, we're now not even going to have teams in Europa League as it stands. We're going to have one team, most likely Olympiacos, that will get into the, the qualifications for the, for the Champions League in the first round. First round. That means Olympiacos will have to win not one two-leg set, not two, not three, but four two-leg playoffs just to get into the Champions League. Even though the competition should be more around our playing area, we're not going to be playing against top five clubs, obviously, with the new format. It's still hard. A lot it's can hard happen. It's hard to win for anything in a row. Yeah, and the teams are not horrible that we're playing. Exactly. So we're asking a lot, and it's only going to make it more difficult. The right. further we drop, the more difficult it becomes then for us to get points and really get back in there. So this year is really important. Olympiacos need to make the group stage, and Balk need to make the group stage. And we talked about it. We've been familiar with it because I think last year we had we had to do three rounds, right? We had Plzen, Krasnodar, and Bashakshir. And even with those three rounds, we were playing in, what, July? We started so early. Mm -hmm. You know, the team certainly had not been finalized at this point. So there's so much more to just you know, potentially not making the group stage. There's the fact that you're playing these games with a potentially f a fraction of what you want your team to be. You're giving the players less time off. You're giving them a shorter off season. And yeah. as we kind of saw, it wears on the players that they've been playing football since July. And these, you know, we play Tottenham and Bayern and they haven't been playing football since July, at least not at such a serious level. We've been fighting for our lives just to get to the group stage for months. And these other teams in the group stage not only have more money than us, but they're fresh because they haven't had to go through all the qualifiers. So that's another reason why getting up in this coefficient and even just getting to the group stage without playing all these midsummer rounds, going back and forth to random countries in Europe and playing these teams is so important. Yeah, to kind of build on what you were mentioning, the in terms of getting the squad ready and not knowing what it's going to be. We'll, we will definitely see with this condensed preseason, how that's going to affect the performance levels of the players. FIFA's already got come out and said and told the leagues, if you want to keep the five sub format for this upcoming season, you can do it because they understand how vital that preseason, both rest and preparation is going to be. Right. But also in terms of, when we are qualifying for Champions League group stage, Europa League group stage, instead of directly qualifying, that is revenue that would be guaranteed is now variable. So mm -hmm. not only do these clubs have to compete with these other teams to get that money, that money is now not guaranteed. And it's this kind of double-edged sort of, do we spend now and try and get that money and just push our team over the finish line to get into the group stage? Or do we not take the risk and play with a shoot more of a tight budget and just hope that we can get through four rounds of qualifying to then get in and get that money? But at that point, is it then too late to be able to spend and reinforce for 
the fall first seg first three legs of the Champions League before the winter transfer market. So there's just, I guess to sum up, the more we stray from direct qualification into these competitions and the more we turn guaranteed money into non-guaranteed money, it's just this cascading effect of negative consequences. Yeah. So we have to improve our coefficient. Every single team that is in Europe right now, they have, they like, at this point, it's almost, it's almost as vital, if not more vital for the league as a whole to gun for Europe over like gunning for a title. Let's say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, for the listeners, we understand that there's no magic wand we can wave. Right. And there is context to this. There is a reason why it, Greece is in this position. And a lot of it stems back from ten, over 10 years ago, kind of the financial disaster, as we all know, you know, the recession, the recession starting from 2008, it impacted Greece heavily. Austerity, you know, a lot of Greek clubs, actually, I'm going to say all of them, because this includes Olympiakos too. We all had some financial trouble. A lot of people forget Olympiakos was sold in 2010. Nike bought the club during the height of the recession when things weren't going so well. We were lucky because at that time, there was debt. Gokali had debt. He wasn't really smart with how he invested money into the club. And when the recession hit, it just kind of exacerbated that. Other clubs had that. The worst of all, well, I should say one of the worst of all, especially because it's been just ongoing, is Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos won the double in that 2010 season, 2009-2010 season, when Marinakis took over. We came in second. They won the double. Gibro Cisse, Simao, Ninis was there. Gilberto Silva, I almost forgot, Cetaridis. Uh, uh, Vintra, who a lot of us remember from his horrible performances with the national team. I mean, that squad won the double and then didn't win a single game in Champions League. They got a direct qualification and did nothing. And that was kind of the beginning of the end when it came for Greek football into Europe because there were usually always two players for Greece in Europe. It was usually either Olympiakos Panathinaikos with, in the past, you know, when I say in the past, like we're talking about decades in the past, Panathinaikos traditionally have had having done better. Olympiakos making it to a round of six or a round of eight here, depending on the format with, you know, in the time period we're talking about, you know, Panathinaikos had more success. But even going forward, those two usually did something and they helped buffer the Champions League together or, or our coefficient rather together because they were both competing. Since Panathinaikos fell into this financial oblivion, you know, Ike got relegated at one point, and then came back, bought by Melisanidis, you know, still haven't really gotten to where they were. There was a time where they gave Real Madrid a run for their money. Again, it was a long time ago. A lot of our listeners, especially the younger ones, probably wouldn't remember that. We don't have that second club right now that's filled in the shoes Panathinaikos left. Balk hasn't done it. They just haven't. And we need Balk to do it. We need them to step up and really make a decent run into Champions League. And it feels weird. And it's sort of, I think, coincidental that this segment is sort of, co- this is a midweek segment where we have planned to cover all of Greek football. And I think the real takeaway message is 
as Olympiacos fans, we need to support every Greek club in Europe and really root hard for them. Even if it feels weird rooting for Pauk, it certainly felt weird just really, really hoping that Chuba Akpom would just bang in that goal. It, it felt a little odd after, you know, her yelling at that guy all year long in the Super League, but it's what needs to happen for the better of Olympiacos and the better of Greece as a whole. And I think at the end of the day, that is what probably everyone listening to this podcast wants. Yeah, it's, it's 100%. It's a win-win. It's doing well in Champions League. It's good for the league as a whole. And it's good for those individual clubs. Like, as Balk supporters, you should want to win. You should want to get to Europe. You should want that money. You should want to perform in Europe. It's great. It's great for Pauk. It ups their reputation in Europe, but it also helps Olympiacos. It helps Panathinaikos. It helps Ike. It helps all these teams who need that revenue, which all clubs need revenue. That's how the that's how the sport works. Like it's just it cannot be stressed enough how important winning and competing in Champions League is for individual clubs in the league and the league as a whole. Yeah. Very well summed up, Vimo. I think that about wraps up what we have wanted to cover today. Do either of you two have any last closing comments? Absolutely. Just to kind of build on this insight that we're, you know, we're all in this together. You know, Greece is a small country, guys, with respect to some of the other European countries. The diaspora is also, you know, there's a lot of us, but we're still pretty much few in number. We have to stick together. We are not big enough. We are not competitive enough as it is to be going at each other's throats. Now, obviously, you know, in jest, and if it becomes like one of those things where we're comparing our performances to somebody else, okay, you know what I mean? Little healthy competition is fine. But when it comes to Europe, we have to stick together. When it comes to international competitions, we're Greeks, and we have to stick together. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's my thoughts exactly. Madrid and Barca can root against each other all they want in the Champions League, but until we're not 18th in the coefficients, I will be rooting for, ev for Balk every single Champions League qualifying round. I will be rooting for them through and through. I will be a diehard supporter pleading, rooting. I will just be praying that they they perform and that they look good and that they play well and that they win certainly as necessary yeah certainly as long as we're behind cyprus in the coefficients we're we're going to be pulling very hard for Pauk. and on that note i just want to take this moment to thank everyone who's still listening we really appreciate you for tuning in especially if you've made it this far we're always looking for feedback from our fans so continue to interact with us on Twitter at Gate7INT or on Facebook where you can find us at Gate7 International Podcast. Continue to send us DMs or messages. We love to hear feedback from fans. We love to hear what you guys want us to talk about and we're going to continue to listen to you all as the, the Greek Super League season gets closer and closer. Also, I want to say, Vimo, thank you so much for coming on today. You did a great job in your debut with the podcast, and I'm sure we'll be seeing more of you when you need to sub in. You're always welcome to come on. And uh, I think that's about it. We have an episode coming this weekend directly after the Greek Cup final. We'll try to get it out as soon as possible on Sunday. Obviously, we're playing Ike Athens. 
and we'll have post-match analysis for you right after the game. Additionally, we have that episode with Stephen Koduru next Sunday. So I believe that would be September 6th. And we will discuss more about just generally what's going on with Greece, maybe some talk of the national team, things like this. Anyway, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll be back to talk to you more soon and continue to talk to us on social media. And thank you so much for listening.